0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. So sorry that I have been totally MIA the last few weeks. If it, it might have even been a month, over a month. Not really sure. It has been just a crazy, crazy bit of life for me, that's for sure. And I know for everyone, especially just how the world is right now and with the election and all that kind of stuff, but I also had... Um, some stuff going on with work. So I just have been a little bit all over the place, but I am back with the podcast. I will have episodes up through the end of the year, and then um, I'll be taking a little bit of a break sometime late to mid-January and kind of refocusing the podcast. So if you have any requests on what you would like to see in 2021, make sure that you shoot me over an email. It's jessiefritzcoaching at gmail.com. And um, hopefully I can get some guests that you're really excited about next year. But anyway, today's episode is with Eleanor. I had the greatest conversation with her. It was a quick one, but it, I feel like we talked about such good topics. We got into her life with chronic illness and how that affected her in college. She's actually still in college, but how that kind of affected her. And then we also just talked about her book, Dealing with Dramedies, which is coming out soon and kind of how it's a little bit different than most chronic illness books that maybe you've listened to already. So I don't want to sit here and talk all day, but I want to make sure that you guys can listen to Eleanor's episode. So if you haven't already, make sure that you're following me over on Instagram. I just changed my handle. I feel like I've changed it a thousand times, but it's Jesse underscore underscore Fritz, and you can see all the new episodes over there. Otherwise, just make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a review if you haven't already, but without further ado, let's jump into Eleanor's episode hi everyone and welcome back to the chronically healing podcast i'm so happy to be back i know that i have been mia a little bit for the last few weeks but i'm excited today to jump in with eleanor so welcome to the show thanks for having me jesse Of course, I'm so excited to talk to you and for the listeners to hear all about you and your story and kind of what's going on in your life. So do you want to jump in and tell us a little bit more about who you are, and then we can kind of jump into your connection with chronic illness?
1: Sure. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Eleanor, and I'm an author, screenwriter, and currently I'm a junior in college, so I have a whole lot going on. Um, I'm also a patient at the same hospital where I go to college so that's Mm -hmm. an interesting double life that I have going on there and in December I'm gonna release my second book called Dealing with Dromedes where I discuss everything about my journey with chronic illness from the daily rundown to everything that's been going on since I was diagnosed my freshman year of college.
0: Wow. You do have a lot going on. Good for you. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Trying to keep myself busy. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. And I always love to hearing from other women, people, anyone that has um, chronic illness who, um, you know, is able to still kind of go after the things that they love to do. So can you tell us a little bit about your chronic illness journey? Because people really love to hear about that. So they're able to connect with you and kind of understand where you're coming from.
1: Of course. So the chronic illness that I have is called necrotizing autoimmune myopathy. And Mm. it's basically an autoimmune disease where my body essentially attacks my muscle cells. Mm. And uh, so my story started, this is the short version, the long version is in the book, but (laughs) it started in my freshman year of college. So for the first semester, I was, you know, adjusting to moving on campus and I had lived overseas in Lebanon for the most part of my life. And I was getting used to this new environment and, you know, campus dining, that was a whole new dietary change. So all (laughs) sorts of changes coming from everywhere. And then towards the end of my fall semester, I started feeling really lethargic and Mm -hmm. I barely had any energy to get out of bed. I couldn't take the stairs and like I'd be on walks with my friends and they'd already arrived to the place we were going to and I was trailing behind. But I didn't think much of it. I just thought, you know, I'm exhausted from finals. I'm just studying too hard. It's going to be fine eventually. So I came back from winter break, uh, back to college. And that's when it really got bad to an extent that I couldn't get into a car without help. Um, so I had a bunch of labs drawn. And I was having dinner with one of my best friends. Since we both came back from vacation, we were catching up. And then I get this voicemail from my doctor saying, okay, Eleanor, you need to go to the hospital because your CK levels are very high and you might go into kidney failure. Wow. Um, I I know. So it was like a bit of a shock. I had to pack up everything. My friend came with me to the hospital. Thankfully, I had her and it was really a whirlwind from there. I spent about a month in total in and out of the hospital. I had a surgery done, wow. I missed a whole lot of classes. So it was really an exhausting experience. And by the third time I was in the hospital, they started me on meds and they gave me my diagnosis. So it was a really exhausting journey, but I'm glad they finally found out what it was because necrotizing myopathy affects I think about 300 people in the US, it's a very, very rare autoimmune disorder. So I'm glad they finally found out what it was and I've been dealing
0: with it since then. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I know when we connected to do this podcast, I I had never heard of this. Um, and so I can't even imagine what that was like to go through, especially when you're so young and just like, you know, that's not, you're not, you're not supposed to feel exhausted when you're trying. Um, like, so what, I guess, how, how do you continue? Is this something that can be cured? Is it something that you'll continue to kind of live with throughout your life? What is that like for you?
1: Well, unfortunately, the consensus is with all autoimmune diseases, you can never be cured. Hopefully at some point I'll be in remission and I won't show any symptoms, but I'm not at that point yet. I've come Mm -hmm. a long way for sure. Like when I first started, I could barely walk. I could barely do anything, but now I have a somewhat normal mobility and I've been better since when it first started. But um, no, it can't be cured, but I'm hoping remission will come along the way.
0: Yeah. I hear you on that. Like with Hashimoto's and mine is, I I hate saying this. It's like a a more popular one, meaning people actually know what it is. And there's been like so much more research than some of these other autoimmune disorders. But even that, I mean, there are people that technically go into remission or consider themselves cured, but really that's not, that doesn't necessarily need to be the goal. I think the goal is to like get yourself to like a healthy state where you can move forward. So yeah, that makes sense. So what are you going to college for?
1: Interesting story. So I started college as a biomedical engineering major and I finished my pre-med track. But towards when my symptoms peaked, I was fainting before my lab classes. So I had to take it down a notch and, you know, focus on other things that don't require me to stay on my feet for three hours a day. Um, at a time. So I switched and I majored in English and that allowed me to focus more on my writing and my book. And that's what essentially helped me get through the really dark times in college.
0: Yeah, was writing. And so that was kind of like a question I had. So I actually, I didn't find out I had Hashimoto's until after college, but it started in college. And I kind of went through all of the, the different things that you mentioned as well. I think like And I've heard this from other people as well with chronic illness is just like, if it pops up in a typically stressful time of your life, like say college or, you know, first job or something like that, we kind of tend to push it off. And sometimes so do doctors because you're like, oh, well, yeah, of course you're stressed. Of course you're tired. Of course this, like all these things. And you, and you push it off to the point sometimes where it gets really bad. Or for me, for example, my, my doctor, um, it told me that I had depression when really it wasn't, it was just like, un, uh, they weren't figuring out what the actual trajectory of Hashimoto's was. So I'm just wondering for you, what was it like, or what is it like being in college with a chronic illness? Do you feel like um, it stops you from doing things that any, that maybe a normal college student would do, or do you feel like you've been able to kind of like blossom from it?
1: Oh, definitely. It stopped me from doing what people think is normal. But then I had yeah. to redefine what was normal. Like, sure, I couldn't go to frat parties all the time, <laughs> or you know, get drunk at two in the morning. That yeah. wasn't exactly the path I had. But I had to create my own version of normal because um, I was pushing. Like you said, like many of us start pushing our symptoms away, and we're like, no, it's it's fine. But really like I was feeling symptoms in like October of 2018 and I was diagnosed in February of 2019 so I Mm -hmm. kept procrastinating all of that just because I wanted to hold on to that sense of normalcy you know like being able to go out with friends all the time and not have to tell them I can't hang out because I'm in the hospital for a treatment or I'm getting having a surgery done so that was really the hard part but um, with college I'm glad that I had a really supportive system like I had great best friends. I had barely known these people for three months, but they were really supportive. Like sometimes they tutor me in the hospital and they let me know on what I missed out. And my university was very accommodating. And my mom flew in from overseas to check on me the third time I was in the hospital. So I had a good group of people and I also had my writing. So I always fell back on that. And I, I actually started writing the book as I was experiencing everything. And I think that's been the biggest challenge, both professionally and in life, that as you're going through something, not only are you telling other people, but you're also living it at the moment that you're going through it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Can you, um, I'd love to talk more about your book and like what brought you to writing it and what it's about. So those listening can can hear about it. Can you tell us a little bit more?
1: Sure. Um, so dealing with dramedies basically started as a way for me to be comfortable in telling my stories. I feel very grateful that I have the ability to express myself through words, and that's really helped me come a long way. But it also came from me personally um, not knowing anyone with a chronic illness or autoimmune diseases in general. And I see, like, these celebrities on TV talk about their experiences. Like, there's Lady Gaga with fibromyalgia, and I really looked up to her. Selena Gomez has lupus. So I had a few examples, and I'm like, oh, these people know what I'm going through in a way. And when they shared their stories in front of others like me when I was in the hospital listening to them, that really changed my life. I didn't feel I was alone anymore. And there are so many women and people from all sorts of backgrounds going through this. So I was like, maybe if I shared my story through this book, through dealing with dramedies, if someone picked it up and read it, they're like, oh, I might not be alone. And if I'm not the person that has that chronic illness, I might know someone that does and I can better support them through that hard journey.
0: Yeah, and I think too... That type of book is so good for anyone, whether they they have the same type of chronic condition that you do or not. I think that it's I've read similar not the same book, obviously, but a similar book and and it was so interesting to just read what this person went through in her journey and I'm really lucky that, like you're talking about with writing and words, I get to talk to other people all the time that go through the right. same thing and and it's so interesting to hear the similarities of people like what they go through, no matter what their condition is from anxiety to stress to like MS to whatever, like there's, everybody goes through a similar process of kind of like Not knowing what to do, feeling unsupported, feeling scared, feeling alone, feeling like they don't know anybody else. And I think that a book like this would be so helpful for someone that's in that space or even anybody that's been out of that space to be able to feel that like compassion for someone else going through the same stuff
1: course and it's not just people like I said like with chronic illnesses there's also the back half of the yeah. book this is why I try not to describe it as a memoir because yeah. dealing with dramedies is written in two parts so the first part is just my two years in college and my diagnosis and everything that comes with that and then the back half of the book has some stories from people who have dealt with their own dramedies like their mm. own dramatic comedy of their life like I was fortunate to interview someone like Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor who wrote My Stroke of Insight. so she hadn't experience with a health condition. And I interviewed someone like Caroline Ketnes who wrote the You series. So she doesn't Mm -hmm. have any chronic illness that I'm aware of, but she's had her fair share of dramedies and that ended up in a best-selling book. So it's really about anyone who's going through a hard time. There's always this sort of outlet where you can focus on that and try to find the positivity in whatever hard time you're going through.
0: Oh, I love that. I totally like, I love that because I think it, it can be held in a space by so many more people too like you said to be able to to understand like yeah chronic illness is one space but there's also other things that happen in life that are scary or hard or whatever and to be able to like move through that um i love that that's such a cool that's such a cool way of doing that when is is the book out already or when is it coming out it's coming out in december
1: so mm-hmm. we're almost there i don't have a release date yet but people can get updates through my
0: website Awesome. Um, coming out in December. That's so cool. So do you have any social media or anything like that, that people could follow too?
1: I do. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. So it's at Eleanor underscore M
0: a for socials. Perfect. They can keep up to date on the book coming out, but I do want to ask too. So we kind of touched on it. And I think that it's so important. I touch on this with the podcast as much as I can. Um, people and like you talk about it in your book too people go through really hard times and I think getting to the space where you can see the positive and you can kind of start to focus like your life in a new light even though like you said with college like no I'm not going to have the same experience that's normal to everyone else but like how can I still have a good experience so how did you kind of it's a a hard question to ask because I feel like there's so many pieces to it but like how do you feel like you started to change your mindset into like this you know this did suck or this is hard for me but like I'm gonna move forward in this way exactly
1: that's the whole point like I listen to so many people that go on and on about like being optimistic and being positive (laughs) and I'm like No, well, actually, it's more like this. So I think I I don't know, I feel like it's a very nihilistic way to view life. But I tried so hard to find meaning like I really went on and on about like, Oh, there has to be a reason why this is happening to me like this can't be happening for nothing. But there is no reason like I've hypothesized. But (laughs) the reason is that I have to create that reason I have to find a way to make this worthwhile. And um, for me, it was, you know, I finally have a sense of humor. I looked at it that way. I have the most morbid jokes before <laughs> then. I honestly could not make any jokes. I used to find puns funny. So I feel <laughs> that's an upgrade. And I started writing more and I discovered screenwriting, which is something I had never considered. As a child, I'd always watch TV shows and movies and I never thought of it as an actual job. And the way it's turning out, this might actually end up being my job. So I discovered my passions and. In a way, I always tell this to myself like, don't let your drama define you. You Mm -hmm. define it. Like, you cannot let your circumstances tell you how you need to live your life. It's true that I'm limited by things like, you know, daily medication and I have treatments frequently. But okay, in the time that I'm not going through that, I have these cards that I've been dealt. So what am I going to do about it? Am I just going to cry in my room all day? Or am I going to write something? And hopefully if someone
0: reads this, they're going to feel less alone. So this was the trajectory for me. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that that's so special. And I think that that's why people are so much more open. Even since I've had my chronic condition, I feel like the amount of people talking about it Um, is so much more now because I think people like you, like me, like other people that I've had on the podcast are being so open and vulnerable and, but still showing like, Hey, yeah, this sucks. But like, also this is great. Like, look at what I get to do now, you know? And you, you, you're like going after your passions and doing, and writing books and like going into screenwriting. Like, that's so cool. And not something that maybe would have been on your radar had you not gotten sick.
1: That's true. I try to think of it that way, and that's why, like, I love your podcast. Like, we're not just people with chronic illnesses. We're people. I mean, that's part of our lives, but it's not everything that we do. I don't, I don't talk about this all the time, you know. Like, I write. I watch shows. I hang out with my friends. I used to travel before the pandemic. I mean, like, yeah. we have a lot more to us. There's more to people than just you know the trauma that they
0: have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are some things? Um that you like to do like for yourself, rituals or routines that you like to do for yourself that kind of keep you feeling your best well um so
1: I'm lucky that my mother is a doctor in nutrition and natural health so mm-hmm. she's always telling me to watch out for what I eat because I love my doctors and I really credit them for being able to talk to you today but doctors are like you know you can just eat whatever you want it's funny you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. but like no you can't just eat everything that you want and now that I'm not you know confined to the campus dining plan, I try to have like healthy smoothies in the morning I love tea I love snacking on dark chocolate and you know I have like a certain um, dietary scope of how I can better deal with my health and in terms of like holistic things I love playing music so I play the piano the guitar Mm -hmm. and I love taking long hot baths soaking in salt at night so I have a few of those rituals but really anything that comforts you it can be something outrageous like listening to rap music at four in the morning (laughs) because it comforts you it's probably a good ritual to hang on to
0: yeah yeah I agree and I also think that rituals and routines can change like I used to be very rigid with my morning routine because it was very helpful at the time and then the pandemic hit and you know I needed to put energy in other places like my morning just wasn't something that I could focus on anymore and it's something that now I I like want to move back into but at the time it's like things change in your life rituals will come and go and like being fluid with that and really like you said like really thinking about what, what actually makes you happy. If it's rap music, listen to rap music. If it's meditating, (laughs) do
1: that, (laughs) like do whatever you want. Exactly. Like I did try meditating and it works for a lot of people, but I personally have such an overactive imagination that I can't really focus on a mantra for 20 minutes or more. So that didn't work for me. And like you said, things change. Like before i turned 18 which is when i was diagnosed um i was very uptight like all i did was study and i would put off <laughs> my friends to like focus on the books and i'm like no like we need to have a work life balance that's very important don't like like it's not fair to you to let your life run you you should run your life
0: yeah yeah, I love that. That's so important and it it hits home even for me at like 32 years old and like I feel like I'm I'm in a space where I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to like shake some stuff up. <laughs> like I'm going to change the Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's not no too hard. late to
1: reinvent yourself. Like yeah. there's no age
0: and like don't wait for an age to be happy. There's there's no such thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that so much. So can you, or can anybody pre-order your book or is that not something that's available for yours?
1: That was available, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately, since my fundraising campaign is over, the link isn't available on Amazon, but people can get updates through my socials and my website and it will be released in early December of this year.
0: Yeah, perfect. I'll make sure to like put up another post when it, whenever it does go live, I follow you. So we can, I can reshare it too, for those that have already listened to your episode, but because I really think that people are going to love it. I think there's like a cool twist to it of like, I don't know, like feeling like they can relate to you, but then also being able to hear from all these other people as well, I think will be a really interesting take on it. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to tell the listeners about yourself or about the book or anything like that, that we might've missed?
1: Hmm um just don't procrastinate your sentence like mm. even when i got the call to go to the hospital i was having dinner with my friend and we had just bought all sorts of things like for our dorms and i literally told my doctor can i please go and drop my stuff off in my room and just finish this assignment and then i can take the uber to the hospital and she's like no you might die you need to go to the hospital <laughs> so like put everything off and be very aware of what your body's telling you i know you don't want to hear it and sometimes The scariest thing about ourselves and about life in general is the stuff that we already know. Like, I knew there was something off. I knew that something bad was happening, but I chose not to look at it, and I chose denial over dealing with it, and I would not recommend that. Please Mm -hmm. just try to be aware of what you're going through, and it'll be okay. It won't be ideal. I mean, I'm a junior in college now. I just turned 20 years old, and I'm not in remission, nowhere near that. I still have all my treatments and all that stuff, but
0: there's always a way to make the most out of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and to be able to just move forward with, with your life and whatever that it's given, I think that it, yeah, with chronic illness or any type, anything really just knowing what's going on and listening to that little voice, even though it might be scary, like you said, and the diagnosis might not be what you want or the thing you find out might not be what you want. But like listening to that voice, I think, is so important. Um, especially like for me, I can say I, with chronic illness, I listened to the voice, but I think with other parts of my life, I didn't. And then now I'm 32 and I'm like, wait, why am I still doing this? <laughs> like, I didn't like this 10 years ago. What am I doing? So I think that it's just important to, to listen to that little voice in, in all parts of life for sure. Exactly. hundred percent. I love this conversation and I feel like so many people are going to be excited about your book and to also just connect with you. Um, So I'll make sure to leave all of the links and everything in the show notes and within the blog posts and stuff like that. But thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time and yeah, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having this podcast and really being open and authentic
0: about your own experiences. Of course. I appreciate that. I'm I th- I feel like I go through vulnerability pieces sometimes where I'm like, wait, am I telling people too much stuff? <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I think it's good. <laughs> that's
1: the struggle. That's the struggle. And for me, writing took out all of that awkwardness when you're actually talking about it. So I'm like, you know what? Just take the book, read it. And that's <laughs> what I went through. Don't ask me questions.
0: <laughs> that's smart. Maybe I should start writing. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, too.